0: to be on it all the time they came and they had to fill out goal sheets for the summer they were four and five pages apiece all these goals that they wanted to attain while they were at all god's children for the summer and i i took all those pages home and read them and prayed over them and told them that they all needed to be in my office bright and early on monday morning and so they were pretty bright and pretty early, but they were there, and I said, you know, I know that you all are fine young men, it was three men, fine young men, but I just need to tell you that I, I'm going to go on and send you home today, I'm going to just go on and send you home today, and they kind of sat up and I said, you know, I've really gone through all your goal sheets for the whole summer. And I don't see the name of Jesus anywhere in any of these papers. Nothing about Jesus. So I, I don't have anything to teach you. I don't have anything to give you because that's all I got. It doesn't seem to be on the forefront of y'all's thoughts. And so I'm just going to go on and send you home unless <laughs> you'd like to rewrite. Your goals and they did and they had an extraordinary summer because they knew that all we had to show them all that we had to give them all that we had to teach them was about Jesus and thank God they wanted more (laughs) they wanted more of Jesus I don't know if any of y'all picked it up or not, but whenever you say, how are you? I'll say the same thing every single time, even if there's a string of you and everybody's, how you doing? And I'll say the same thing every time, better than I deserve and grateful. Well, this might sound a little more, but I have taped my funeral service because I get to be the one to speak. (laughs) I'm also, I have collected, they say ugly Christmas sweaters, but I paid a lot of money for some of them. (laughs) And I don't think they're ugly. But I have been collecting Christmas sweaters since I was in high school, before it was even popular to have them. And I promise you, I have one area in my home that has nothing but Christmas sweaters. So if when I die, you come to my funeral you better bring a checkbook because I am going to auction off all my Christmas sweaters because it'll be the last time I can take up an offering for all God's children. <laughs> but the way my funeral service will open, just in case you can't make it, but if, when, when my funeral service opens, I'll say, I know you're wondering how I am. I am better than I deserve and grateful. But one of the things that I want to make sure comes through loud and clear is in a morning, when I rise, give me Jesus. Just give me Jesus. That's all I want. It's all I need. It's all I desire, and I promise you, It's all I have. So if you would help me get ready for tonight, and I believe you have a small sheet of music, and I just need us to sing it until you decide the Spirit has settled here enough. So you get to decide. (laughs) (laughs) And we're going to sing, Give Me Jesus. And in honor of our Lord and Savior, let's stand and sing. Through... Christ Jesus. And so we've stayed in the Gospel of Luke for the most part because that is a beautiful place where if your eyes are open and your heart is ready to respond, you can see Jesus. You can see where he went. You can see what he did. You can hear what he spoke. You can feel what he felt. You can see Jesus through the amazing grace by which he breathed every breath he breathed and by which he lifted his eyes to heaven. And thank God for everything that God allowed him to participate in so that you and I could see his grace. And I know that you know that grace is God's unconditional love. So tonight, I, I want to leave you with what I think is a fairly haunting question. And it's a good question. It's a real question. What do you want? Now, we could ask several things. What do you want in revival? What do you want in your relationship with Jesus? What do you want as a disciple of Jesus Christ? What do you You want. And I would just ask that in a very quiet and peaceful and respectful and genuine and authentic way, you would simply listen to these words as they are recorded in 1 Kings. And I want this question to resonate in your heart and in your spirit. That night, the Lord appeared to Solomon, Jerome, and he appeared to Jerome (laughs) in a dream. And God said, what do you want? Ask, and I will give it to you. And Solomon replied, you showed faithful love to your servant, my father David, Because he was honest and true and faithful to you. And you have continued your faithful love to him today by giving him a son to sit on his throne. Now, O Lord my God, you have made me king instead of my father David. But I am like a little child who doesn't know his way around. And here I am. In the midst of your own chosen people, a nation in the midst and numerous, they cannot even be counted. Verse 9, remember God said, what do you want? Verse 9, give me an understanding heart. So that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. For who is by himself able to govern this great people of yours? Give me an understanding heart so that I can lead your people What do you want, church? What do you want in your faith? What do you want out of this revival? What do you want as a member of your local church? What do you want as a mother in your family, as a father in your family? What do you want as children who live in your household? What do you want as teenagers who will be leaders sooner than we realize? What do you want? So here's our last lesson from Laura Early, from the Gospel according to St. Luke. Would you please stand for the reading of the Gospel? I'm reading from chapter 18, verse 35. Please listen with all of your heart. And let the Spirit lay on that heart tonight. So before you leave this place, you will know and God will know what you want. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind beggar was sitting beside the road. And when he heard the noise of a crowd going past, he asked, What is happening? What is happening? And they told him that Jesus the Nazarene, was going by, so he began shouting, Jesus, son of David, Jesus, son of David, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 39. Be quiet. The people in front yelled at him. Now I'm going to say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And I'm going to say it three times, and I'm going to get louder every time. And I want you to be the crowd that's telling me to be quiet. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. <laughs> but he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me and when Jesus heard him, he stopped and he ordered that the man be brought to him. And as the man came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, he said, I want to see. I want to see. And Jesus said to him, all right, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. And instantly the man could see. And he followed Jesus. (laughs) He could see. And he followed Jesus. He could see. And he followed Jesus. He could see. And he followed Jesus. Praising God. That's not the end of that story. And all who saw him. Praise God, to. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated, but not comfortable. And so, the latter part of the second chapter, or the first chapter of Second Timothy, verses 1 through 9, says that it was God's plan before the beginning of time, that you could be shown, you could see grace, and then you would see it and know it through Jesus Christ. I think this is a wonderful interpretation about Jesus looking right into your heart, looking right into your soul, because... I think that blind man made it clear that he wanted to be with Jesus because the crowd, the world, were the silencers. And he made it clear. I got nothing but this opportunity with Jesus. I got nothing but this opportunity with Jesus. and So Jesus heard him. And I bet he did. I bet he was three times louder than I was. Jesus heard him. And Jesus hears you when you call out and say, Please have mercy on me. Mercy is kindness and compassion combined. That's what mercy is. Please, Jesus, have kindness on me. Please, Jesus, have compassion on me because i got nothing right now but you and so jesus stopped what he was doing and he said bring this man to me and can you just see them weaving him through the crowd and the ones who had tried to silence him were hanging their heads trying to hope jesus wouldn't notice them that they were the ones trying to make the man be quiet and the man was brought forward I can promise you they didn't see Jesus as well as the blind man did. Do you hear what I said? All those people in that crowd could not see Jesus, the man, the Nazarene, as well as the blind man could. Because in that moment, Jesus was all he had. And so Jesus stopped what he was doing, Peggy. And he said, come on, come on up here. He says, what do you want me to do for you? He could have said a lot of things. Could you ask these people who always try to stop me from getting a blessing to realize that I deserve a blessing, could you just make people hear me? Can you hear a blind man say, could you just make all these other people see me? Could you help people be sorry for Treat me this way? Could you give me a forgiving heart, Jesus? Because I've gotten angry with all these people. Could you, could you, could you, could you? And he didn't do any of that. He just had a simple answer for Jesus I want to see. And I love the master's response All right. We say that in the South a lot. All right. All right. And then he says this amazing thing. He says, your faith. He didn't say, I'm going to call my father. And he's going to give me power. And he's going to let you see. And I want everybody to see what I'm doing. No, he just said to the man who was blind, your faith. Y-O-U-R. Your faith has made you hold and instantly he could see again now, i don't know what it would be like to be blind for my whole life and then all of a sudden be able to see i wonder what i'd want to see if i had a family i might run home and i'd want to see my mama look mama, i can see now I might want to go to all those people who'd pushed me aside, all those people who'd laughed at me, all those people who'd told me I was worthless, and I want to say, oh, I can see now. How about that, children? But not this man. It says, after he immediately received his sight, he followed Jesus. The second thing he did... Was he praised God. Anything that man had had that had made him bitter or angry or hurt or feel worthless was gone. Because he was following Jesus. And he was praising God. Step one, follow Jesus. Step two, praise God. And you know what step three is, disciples? All the people who see the ones that are following Jesus and praising God, take notice. So what do you want? What do you want? Out of revival? Out of your relationship with Jesus? Do you really want to follow him? Do you really want... To praise God? Do you really want this battered and scattered and barred and scarred and maimed and framed and shamed and last and lost and least world? To see Jesus because of what they see in you? What does that kind of love look like in your life? A couple of years ago, I had the privilege of baptizing four little boys all on one Sunday. It was a great day. And our worship team had gotten together a couple hours before worship began to get ready for the service. And I told my worship leader, I said, listen, the sermon today is called, What Does Love Look Like? And so I want you to pull up a picture of Jesus and put it up on the screen and show people what love looks like. And she pulled up a picture of Jesus (laughs) from the Passion of Christ. And every fiber of his fleshly being was tattered and torn and ripped and bleeding and hanging on his body. Well, when she pulled that picture up, (laughs) a couple of people on the worship team went, (gasps) and then a couple of them started to cry. And I said, I tell you what, Cheryl. Today, we're going to have a lot of children here. So let's choose another picture. Would that be okay? Oh, of course, Miss Laura, because the first four pews were nothing but children. And behind them were all those children's families, four little boys in the neighborhood where hood is the operative word. Four little boys were being baptized. And then it was time for the sermon, and the babies had been baptized. And that's something special at all God's children. And right before the sermon, I was sitting back there, and God was saying, Oh, you're going to water this service down, too? You're going to water me down? And I'm thinking, No, 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 Lord, please don't talk to me like that. No, 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 no. And my associate was sitting over here, and he understands when God is telling me something. And when it makes him nervous, he starts to tap his feet. So he's tapping his feet, and I'm going, No, God, I'm not going to water it down. No, no." no. And, and Michael's over here tapping his feet. Because God is getting ready to do something, and Michael knows if God's going to strike with lightning, he is sitting mighty close to me. <laughs> so I stood up to preach the word and to show what love looked like. And I said, Cheryl, I tell you what, sweetie, Let's go on and pull up the original picture. Would you do that for me, sweetheart? Well, yes, ma'am. Walked down to the front row where those children were. And I said, babies, I'm going to show you a picture of your Jesus. And I want you to look at him, okay? Will you look at him? Mm-hmm. And then that picture of Jesus with every fiber of his fleshly being shredded across a cross. And Abigail picked up her Bible and she put it right in front of her face. I said, baby, put your Bible down and look at your Jesus. And then a little boy over in the corner whose name was Husan who had just been baptized. And we made a promise for him and with him that we would resist evil in whatever way. It presented itself like watering down the gospel. He was on his daddy's hip, two and a half years old, looking at Jesus, shredded to pieces. And he said, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh. What do you want, church? Do you want a gospel that's watered down, that makes life easy for you? Or do you want to hear yet again the words of Psalm 89, verse 17? It pleases the Lord to make you strong. I don't know if y'all know this about me. I got six horses. Somebody say amen. And I got seven dogs. I had six a week ago, and I got me a new German Shepherd puppy last week. His name is Willie, and he's precious. And I got four cats. And I got one husband. <laughs> My animal's a lot easier to take care of, but anyway, as I say. One day I was down at the barn, and... And I had been home all week by myself, and it had been the coldest week of the winter. Do y'all remember two years ago when there was an ice storm every other week? It was something. Maybe it didn't happen here, but it sure happened in Bertie County. The ground was as hard as what I call brickbat. You know what I'm talking about? It was hard. And I was down at the barn, I mean to tell you, I had my gloves, my hat on. I was as bundled up as I could be, but it was so cold, it make your eyelashes feel like they were freezing. But I'm going to feed them horses' children because they can't take care of themselves, so I'm responsible. So I'm going down to that barn thinking, Bill, early, you better come home quick because I'm about to get tired of doing this myself but I just keep right on going just keep on going just keep on going cowgirl strong and I was getting ready to reach over and get a bucket of water that I had to turn over because it had frozen like brick bat and my pit bull her name is Arlie she weighs about a hundred pounds she's like a tank she realized that I was down at the barn but because that ground was so hard she couldn't hear me walking And when she realized mom was down at the barn and she's still at the house, she come flying through the yard. And she slipped on a piece of that ice that was under that barn. And she slipped and slid and clipped me right between my knees. And I went straight up in the air and crashed back down on that ground that was hard as brick back. And I thought I had shattered my shoulder all to pieces. But what you learn when you ride horses, if you take a fall, the first thing you do before you even realize you fall is you get back up. Because your body can fool the other parts. And if you get right up, you might be able to walk away from that situation. So I got right up. But I I could feel that left shoulder. Dagon, it made me have to go to the doctor. So I go to the doctor, and, and he says, let me see you lift your right arm. Yep. Let me see you lift your left arm. And it'd go about like that. I couldn't lift it. I could not lift my arm. Couldn't put my hands under my pills. I don't know if y'all do like that, but I put my hands and i squeeze that poor pill to death. But I couldn't, do, I couldn't lift my arm at all. So he did like this and like that. He says, yep, you got a frozen shoulder. He wrote me a prescription for some opioids sent me on so i got to my house and i took them pills hadn't even bought them and i just wrote that prescription wrote ugly words all over it, and cut it up and threw it in the trash can and i got me a weight let me tell you something for a long time i couldn't do this i couldn't do this at all but you know what i could always do it with my right arm you know i just do this all day with my right arm but you know what My right arm wasn't what was hurting. My right arm wasn't what was weak. It wouldn't have done me much good to just keep doing this with my right arm would. I mean, I was just doing all kinds. I'm not going to hit you with it, I promise. (laughs) What if I had only tried to strengthen what was already strong and ignored what was weak? Wonder what would have happened to my arm. And in our faith, sometimes all we want to strengthen is what we're all ready, good at. Because we're being vulnerable, we're taking risks to say to our church family, I'm really weak in that. And I need you all through prayer and through worship and through Bible study, I need you all to help me be strong again. It's not about how much weight you can lift. I can do this with a 50-pound dumbbell. It's how many times you can lift it. Repetition. Over and over and over again so one time that blind man says son of David have mercy on me and nothing happened son of David had mercy on me and nothing happened and a third time you know three is an important number in the Bible. a third time he says son of David have mercy on me And the whole time, all the good church folks were telling him to be quiet. That was the one man on that day, the blind man, that could see who Jesus really was. God was pretty pleased. When Solomon said all I want. God is an understanding heart. And God was pleased. And all that man wanted. Was to see. What he knew to be true. And Jesus. Let him see. And told him his faith. Had made him well. Step one. He could see and he followed Jesus. Step two, he praised God. And step three, his witness was so real that everyone else began to believe in the power of Jesus. These chains are not plastic, gentlemen. They're heavy. I can put it behind my car and tow it with a truck. But these chains are heavy. And most of us wear these at some time or another. Some of us are wearing three times more than what I have been wearing for 15 minutes. Is it easy to wear them? No, I'm sweating like a dog under this rope. These things are heavy. But we don't have to carry these around, church. And we don't have to silence each other when we know that our brothers and sisters got this. We have to open our eyes and see with kindness and mercy and compassion what Jesus already sees. And the world will begin to see again when we start to see Each other. This is not. A safe space. This is. A courageous space. Because the world. Is hard. And some of you. have Shared some really. Heavy chains. With me. This week. And I know they're real. But the good news. Of Jesus Christ. Tonight. is you can take them off. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. And if you get ready to pick them up again, you may have to do what I do. I carry these around in my car every day of the week. When I turn a corner too fast and they go like that, I will go, that's right. Lord. Don't you pick them chains up again. Don't you do it. Because It pleases God to make us strong. And you don't get strong by carrying these around. You get strong by exercising what is weak in your life. Don't let anybody fool you. It's a lot of work. And it takes a lot of repetition. So how about we close with this question. What do you want? And are you willing to ask Jesus for it tonight? He'll stop a crowd for you. He'll stop a crowd. So I'm going to do two things. This little weight is going to be up here and. Maybe you just need to hold it and lift it up and say, Jesus, this is what this feels like to me, this weakness in my spirit. I want you to make me strong. Or it might be tonight is the night that you want to say, my chains are gone, I've been set free. Maybe you just want to lift this up I don't want anybody to hurt themselves. I handle these chains a lot. I know how much they weigh. But if you just want to put it on. Just for a minute. And then see what it feels like. To take it off. If you want somebody to come with you. To help you. But I want you to see what it feels like. When you take it off. And I want you to feel free. And I want you to be able to see. So that you can follow Jesus. So that you can praise God. And so that the world will once again know. That the master we love and serve. Is real. What do you want Jesus to do for you? Let's stand and sing amazing grace. My chains are gone. Use this. If it will help you.